The Courage to Lead, Episode 67. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week. Um, I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Uh, please help me welcome Dancho Dimkov. Dancho is a serial entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of Bisbee Solutions. But most of all, he is a growth enthusiast. He is simply inspired by growth, the growth of people, companies, relations, or businesses. He's always eager for a new business adventure and deems a sport to think and do things differently rather than a challenge. As a certified management consultant and serial entrepreneur, he guides startups and businesses on the path to prosperity. But as a proud owner of Bisbee Solutions, a full stack from concept to market growth solution provider, it is his duty. Bisbee is Dancho's passion, but there is so much more. He's also a family man, proud father of a three-year-old. That takes a lot of work. Wow. <laughs> um, What's his picture perfect day? It's traveling with his family while enjoying a delicious meal. Ultimately, it's all about growth, attaining balance, and being present in all life areas. Dancho, welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Harold. Thank you for the very nice introduction. No, this is great. I've been looking forward to our conversation. So where are you coming to us from? Well, I'm based in Macedonia, and usually I have this joke well, never meeting that I have, do you know where is Macedonia? And people will be like, Hmm, is it in Africa? Is it in Asia? Somewhere <laughs> in Europe, maybe? And I mean, I understand them. Uh, Macedonia is 2 million people in total. So we could be just a suburb from a bigger city. Right. But how I usually promote Macedonia is that, you know, Greece, you know, the fantastic Greek coastline and beaches. Well, we're like two, two and a half hour by car from, from the coastline. So nice. last weekend, actually, Friday, just after work, get into the car, grab the little boss. That's how we call my <laughs> little guy. He's the little boss in the family. Sure. Take the wife and we just went on the extended weekend on the Greek coastline. So that's yeah. how I usually promote Macedonia. Beautiful. No, that's a beautiful area too. Love that area over there. Very cool. All right. So we want to get into talking about kind of how you got started in your business, how you found Bisbee um, and some of the other things you have going on. But before we get started, I have 10 questions that I ask all of my guests. Um, oh, nice. I don't know. You probably did not have this television show over there, but there was a television show here in the States called Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host, James no. Lipton, used to ask his Hollywood stars these same 10 questions. He would interview them, kind of a uh, this is your life type show where he'd show all the different things they've done from when they were small children, all the way up to their acting in movies and on stage and in film. So I figure if these questions are good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So I would like to ask you these questions, sir. So question number one, what is your favorite word? Well, I was prepared for at least for the first one. That's growth for sure. Right. We use growth even on our website, everywhere, actually. Excellent. What is your least favorite word? Uh, that would be the excuse. Yes. <laughs> totally agree. What turns you on? Well, exploring, exploring the unknown, exploring new stuff. Nice. What turns you off? Well, completely the opposite. Bureaucracy, I think, or accounting is really, I, I don't like it. Absolutely. What sound or noise do you love? Morning on the Greek coastline, 6 a.m. Ooh, nice. 
What sound or noise do you hate? <laughs> the same place, just the mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am with you there. Um, question number seven, what is your favorite curse word? Well, uh, I don't curse, honestly, not just for the show. I, I was raised in a family that doesn't curse at all. So we never got to the cursing part. Okay. I will accept that. Absolutely. Um, question number eight, then what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Well, I don't know what is called a profession, but when you travel around the world and just enjoy life and then people with cameras are just behind you and you get paid for it. What, <laughs> what kind of profession is that? Explorer probably or, or geogra right. national geography, something. Yes. yes. I would no, love I'm, to do that. Absolutely. National Geographic photographer, or just a travel person. That'd be great. Um, question number nine, what profession would you not like to do? Well, I was thinking between account accounting and a lawyer. It's okay. really so much bureaucratic. Yeah. Way too much. All right. Finally, question 10, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> You're not going to like the answer, but <laughs> you're not ready to come in yet. Go back to earth. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my luck too. Absolutely. All right. We're going to come back in just a minute. We're going to talk about uh, how you got started, uh, where you got the idea for BizBee and what all you do for businesses to help them grow and uh, what else is next for you. All right. So we'll come sure. back. Uh, right after this. So listeners, stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. All right, and I am back with my guest, Ancho. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's What what time is it there? It's 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m.? It's 7.20 p.m. Yeah. already. Wow. And the little guy is calling my name from a distance, but after this, I'm finishing, <laughs> I swear. Excellent. Good job. Well, we'll, we'll uh, try to keep on the schedule here then. Um, so I definitely want to hear about your story. How did you get started? Where did you get started in your business? You've been a, a management consultant for a while, right? What did you do before that? Well, you know what? I've kind of started my first business at, at the age of 21 at university. Okay. So back in 2008, even I started a marketing agency and that was really a bold movement. I mean, a third degree, third grade at university with zero experience, with zero knowledge. I was just like, man, I'm opening a company and that's it. And it was a marketing agency at that time. And it was really funny because, yeah, I mean, okay, now we have a company. What are we supposed to do now? And I was like, well, probably we need to sell something. And then we started going to a company and we were like, hello, my name is Dancho. And they're like, so, and I was like, I don't know. That's all I know for now. <laughs> a lot of embarrassing moments. And, but I got the client and then there was like, okay, invoice. Well, where should I actually find an invoice? So you just find your utility invoice. You just recreate it in, in, in Excel. <laughs> and it was really awful, but awful through a lot of painful and learning experience because by the time I finished university, I already had so much experience the hard way that it made very easy for me to find a job. I was actually headhunted from my company 
to, to join a non-governmental, non-profit organization okay. where I was working for three years. It was an international one, like in 50 countries from around the world. It was a big one. It is a Dutch development organization. And there I was working more as an advisor in, in business and in entrepreneurship and, and stuff. And from there, I actually moved a few years for a UK company as a project manager, as a country director or something. But actually, I was responsible for the software development team. And there I really had to figure out a way how to how to work with developers because they're really a different breed of people mm -hmm. yes. thinking on a completely different frequency. <laughs> and I'm an economist. So it was, yeah, I survived, but I learned so much from there as well. Sure. So when the time came for me to start as a business, I said, you know what? I'm quitting this corporate job. Let me just enjoy a bit as a digital nomad, recently married. I wanted to travel the world. Nice. That's why I told you I like the exploring part. Yes, yes. So we spent like three to six months around Europe from different like France, Monte Carlo, like Belgium, Netherlands, really around everywhere. Wow. And after that, when we came in, we said, you know what, if we want to really grow and if we want to have a sustainable uh, business, we actually need to, to register a company, hire people and not just invest our time into being paid per hour, but actually start growing something on a long term. That's the that's the short version, Harlan. For the longer one, we're gonna need a beer and a lot of lots of more time. <laughs> no worries. So that's when you started Bisbee. Yeah, yeah. After we we worked for a bit as a as an independent digital nomad freelancers, uh, we saw the opportunity to let's come back in Macedonia, let's settle in and start growing the family as well because we mm -hmm. we said that. Well, you know what, when you're paid per hour, uh, if you get sick, me or my mm. wife, nobody can get revenues. And that is a hard thing. And when you travel around, it's easy. As much as you earn, you spend as much. So you don't yeah. really kind of save stuff. And at the end of the day, we were saying, well, if we want to raise a child, we really need to start building the company. So when the company is up, we can just take a step back and start growing the family as well. Yeah, very cool. So tell me about Busybee. What do you do, what do you do? What all do you do for companies? Well, it started as a management consulting where I was really excited to to work with entrepreneurs. I mean, even during while I was working for the software development company, after work I was actually working with the freelancers and I caught myself at some point like 8 hours working in the corporate boring world where yeah, I get paid quite a lot, but after work was the exciting part. There was a US uh, entrepreneur, a girl that she wanted to create a mood application for, for iOS, or there were some really exciting uh, African companies that wanted to, to revolutionize the agricultural. So they really need help, a business help, mm -hmm. whether it's market research, competition analysis, benchmarking, giving some guidance in which direction. And from there, I actually continue helping entrepreneurs to create a complete business plan with the financials, with the projections, with the organizational structure. And this is the time I've realized that, yeah, business plan is good. But if you don't realize that the agile way is the right, you're just creating like how many years do you want the anticipation? Three? Okay, create a spreadsheet for three years. You want to five? Okay, just extend it for two more years. But I've realized that the real plans are just a direction. And then through the agile approach, you shift. Yes. And as a consultant, yeah, we were doing like working with the entrepreneurs and as they grow, some of them registered companies. And then we work on the supply side, like a product sourcing, finding manufacturers in China. And on the sales side, we were actually helping with, with marketing and sales. So that's how we, we started. And we started really with not just backstep, but really without any money. 
we find a really old building and we rent it. I actually bought a secondhand furniture and, okay, at least new computers. And we hired four interns. So we okay. didn't hire any full-time employees. We just got four interns and we said, look, we have lucky if we survive for three months. After that, hopefully things will either be very good and we can think at that time. Or, you know, if it doesn't work at, at the end of the day, I'll just have to find myself a new job. Wow. That is awesome. And so how long have you been in business? Well, Bisbee is six years already. Ooh, nice. time flies. Yeah, time flies. That's good. And time flies. And I'm excited because since I, day one, when I started Bisbee, the whole goal was to create an entity that can work without me. And now nice. I'm reflecting actually six years. I mean, Harlan, it, it works. I mean, I have a marketing manager with a marketing team that are really good at finding leads. I have a sales manager with a sales team that are actually good at nurturing, closing proposals. And I have a project manager with the execution team that are really good at uh, project execution. And I have the accounting, the finance, that's actually my wife. She takes care of all the costs and the revenues. I don't have access to money. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I can really take myself out of the equation and just try to work on growing the business rather than doing the day-to-day operations. That is excellent. It is a journey. It's not like something that you can do overnight. No, but you set the groundwork for that, right? You laid the foundation for that to build the business into something that you could it runs for you. Like you said, you don't have to be hands-on. You don't have to be involved in the day-to-day. It runs for you. Yeah. It's interesting. Most people, Harlan, when they start business, they're like, I'm going to work 20 hours per day for the rest of my life. No, actually they think they're going to enjoy with a Ferrari for the rest of their life. But (laughs) my whole goal was from day one, how to strategically set up a company that, yeah, I still enjoy working, but I don't be, I'm not going to be a slave of the company. So even on the four interns, the day one, when we got them in-house, uh, we had an open communication. Guys, you have three months. If by the end of the three months, you still need me to help you, you, you cannot continue. So you have three months to figure out the way how you can operate without me. Mm-hmm. And that is even like a culture that we've set up in BSB, uh, like decentralized uh, community. People are making decisions on their own, whether all of them are right course not we make so many mistakes but i really appreciate having mistakes now and then rather than the alternative everything goes through me and then i'm stuck for the rest of my life exactly exactly and so you had to set some margins some groundwork for everybody to let them know as here's the ultimate goal that we're after and then you give them the freedom to make sure that they achieve that goal right yeah Yeah. Well, uh, luckily uh, I did my first master degree in entrepreneurship. So I really was able to see how not just the good luck and on the flight thing, but I also had the academic background of of growing companies. But then I also did my MBA, an executive MBA on management. And there I was specializing in the agile project management because I had some IT background and I was really fascinated by the lean, by the agile approach of how companies are run. And we still do scrum and daily standups and synchronizations. And that also helped the shape of the business because we don't do three to five year business plans. We try to set up six months uh, direction in which we go. And then on the fly, every month, new things come in. Some things that were planned comes out. Yeah. And at the end of the six months, we reflect, okay, did we achieve everything? Of course not. If we're like 40, 50% achieved, we're so happy because sure. at least we're not on the same place six months <laughs> ago. 
exactly. but then we're like okay let's now make plan for the next six months and things that didn't manage to get into the previous six months we're also seeing whether they're still relevant because many times at that point it felt relevant but this flexibility gives really the freedom to to grow because something external could change in, within these six months and things that we thought that are relevant are no, no longer relevant exactly no, that's a beautiful model. Agile is is great. I've worked with companies where uh, on on projects, uh, software implementation projects is where Agile is really big. Yeah. The alternative is the the, the waterfall process, right? Yes. Where you just you put out this project plan for so many years and you just run that plan, and it doesn't have a lot of flexibility. Yeah. Well, uh, Harlan, I was so excited by the Agile. I mean, waterfall has its usage, especially mm -hmm. when there are more rigid projects. Like if you're building a bridge or a house, right. it's right. not like let's start building and we'll figure out the pipelines on the fly. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really work it like that. It doesn't work that way. But in business environment where it's really yeah. a complex environment with so many variables that are changing all the time, you can just set up a direction and start moving. And you know what's funny? We've implemented that not just on growing the BSB, but actually how we handle projects. So now, even when we do the B2B lead generation, which I'll tell you a bit more afterwards, mm -hmm. yes. is that we're saying like, well... I have no idea what kind of outreach will work for your company in particular. I mean, we have the frameworks, we have the expertise, we're confident that it works, but we have to do A-B testing and tweaking in order to make it work for you. And that requires agile approach. It's like, yeah, but I want to know in month one, two, three, four, five, six, what kind of results and what kind of things will happen. And we're like, okay, you haven't understood the, the agile approach. <laughs> we know what already is the goal, but right. we have no idea what kind of obstacles we're going to find along the way. So that's really helped us also how we do projects, not just on how we grow BSB. Exactly. And so you do sprints, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two weeks, one month. How long, how long are your sprints normally? Uh, well, on BSB, we have six months roadmap with the backlogs. Okay. And actually, uh, every month we're saying, okay, what can actually fit in this month? What nice. cannot fit? But this is on the strategic level, on growing, imp improving services, adding some new features or functionalities. And with the clients, we also do monthly sprints where we're saying this month, the campaign should target um, accountants from the US 50 to 200 employees. After one month, we're actually checking out the results and what happened. And we're saying, you know what, let's now target lawyers for the next month. And then we can compare the, the results from the two months and see what actually gives better results. Excellent. Very cool. So you mentioned lead generation. That's one of the services you offer. Yeah. Well, interestingly, Harlan, when we started working with entrepreneurs, I've realized that it is kind of hard target to work with. I mean, uh, working with entrepreneurs, they don't have one problem. They have problem with pricing, with uh, services, with accounting, with legal, with marketing, with sales, with product development, with everything. Yes. And many times when we work with entrepreneurs, you see the excitement, the spark, the passion at the beginning. And then within two weeks, they're like, ah, I got bored of this. I just quit the idea. <laughs> and then I've noticed that when we work with SMEs, they're far more stable in terms of, you know what, we have everything sorted. We just have one problem, how to scale or how to grow fast. And in that case, they have the lawyers, they have the services, they have the fulfillment and everything and they just need help with more leads. And on the other hand, when you're doing a business plan, it's a really nice project. I mean, one month, two months to build the whole business plan and a strategy, but then clients will just say, thank you very much and, and leave. Well, with the lead generation, it's a never-ending process. It's a continuity. Like if I give you five leads, you'll be happy. Then you want six and 10 and 20. Then you're going to grow your team. And then you're going to want 50 and 100. And it's daily, weekly, monthly work. So if you find one client, and if you figure out how to give them results, 
At the end of the day, it's a, it's a long-term relationship. And last year, during the corona, we even decided to, to specialize purely on B2B. We took out everything from our website. So now if you go to Bisbee Solution, it's B2B lead generation. And we even focused on a target audience, on high-ticket service providers. And by high-ticket service providers, we're saying coaches, consultants, marketing and sales agencies, software companies, and particularly working on lead generation for those, because when it comes to a bit more expensive services, you cannot really just put a Facebook ad and like, hi, my service is 50K and people will be like, oh, so nice, click that, swipe their yes. credit card. And, <laughs> and it doesn't really work like that. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. But um, no, it that wouldn't be nice because I'll run out of work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually I could also sell you then even on a different level. Yeah. But then we've realized that with a bit more expensive services, relationship building is the key and the only way how you can actually get clients. Of course, the SEO and the content is here and it is a good way to get clients, but it takes time. You cannot create a blog tonight and tomorrow hoping to have 10 clients lined up. It's going to take a while for the SEO to pick up. While with the outreach, yeah, within first month, we have cases where we get one or two new clients for our clients. Not just meetings, that appointment that can be booked, but actual clients that already paid for, for the service. That's good. And you're talking about, I mean, conversations with people. This is not automated bots that go out trolling, right? LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff. You're actually having conversations. Yeah, this is the thing how we try to differentiate from the red ocean where people are killing themselves and competing yes. on, on price sensitive because if we just try to sell you leads there are so many ways how you can get leads i mean you can do automation you can do chatbots you can do content you can do ads video youtube ads and anyway well it doesn't really work like that in the high ticket service providers mm -hmm. and we do the manual reach out so more like a external SDR and BDR teams that are here in BSB that are working for you. And then they're manually reaching out to the guy, creating a fully customized like, hi, Harlan, I saw your blog post on this, this, this. I really liked it and I wanted to connect with you on LinkedIn. And then once you connect, it's really one-on-one -on -one conversation rather than, hi, Harlan, my name is Dan I sell XYZ and if you buy my services. And it's funny. I mean, we've coined the term, it's a digital outreach fever. And it's really a case where people in the real time, in the real life, are having really normal conversation like, how do you do? What do you do? What I do? And if it's a good synchronization, you move on the second, on the next level. The same people, when they move from the digital world, they're like, let's spam a lot of people and send millions of LinkedIn or emails. And with the success of 0, 0.00 something, they're still going to get a lot of leads, but they're going to burn a lot of bridges. And especially with the type of clients that we work with, they are targeting, their whole target is like 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 companies in total in the world. So if we burn those bridges, there is no one to, left to work with. So we have to be really careful and also not damage the, the brand. Because exactly. even you as a coach, Harlan, mm -hmm. if you want to, to, to delegate your profile to a third party, you would be very nervous and uncomfortable because we are supposed to talk on your behalf. And you have a reputation and you've spent decades on building that reputation and you don't want someone just came in and start going to fortune 500 executives and saying hi my name is harlan let me hook you up with something i I'm like what do you need man <laughs> or something you really want to be right. presented in a professional way absolutely yeah and we've all been victim of receiving those pitch um bots you know 
LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you. You connect and then suddenly here's my $50,000 program. Sign here, click this button. It's like, I don't even know who you are. You know, we've all been victim. Yeah. No, people choose the easier route. It's much easier to just don't spend the effort to rec- to to get to know someone and get to qualify first if they have a problem or not. I mean, I still get the Viagra emails and the prints from Africa right. giving me inheritance. <laughs> you but, too, huh? <laughs> yeah. Or someone diseased by my surname in some country that, that inherited a lot of money. Right. But at the end of the day, the relationship is the only way how you can grow a high ticket service company. Right. Because many times... Harlan, as a coach, is reaching out to companies that they don't have a need from a coach at the moment. But if you burn the bridge, you can never go back to them. But if you position yourself as an authority, as a really good consultant, after six months, things change. The environment changed, the business changed. They might need the coach. They could be, well, there was this guy Harlan from, on LinkedIn. Let's reach out to him now. Nice. So you've left an open door so they could come back to you when they are ready. Because honestly, whatever you're selling, there is no way that everybody that you're reaching, they're exactly what they needed. And they were waiting right. for you for, for months, hoping that you would show up. Right. Absolutely. All right. So give me an example. If, if uh, as a coach, I, lead generation is, is important to me. I'm looking for leads all the time. The more leads I have, the, the better. Um, how do you get to know my voice or my products and services to know how to, you know, reach in and, and communicate with these people. What is that process like? Well, we do the hard way. We talk with you a lot. We uh, have to get to know you. Okay. I mean, uh, I'm not working alone. I have a project manager. I have a copywriter. I have a nurturing specialist. So from day one, we actually get as a whole team with you. And the, the copywriter actually does an interview with you. So like we're trying to first even optimize your LinkedIn profile. So it's not going to be just as a CV. Well, I have this experience and this academic background and stuff, but we're trying to position you as a, as an authority in the field, but also as a person at the end of the day, it's a human to human interaction. So it's like you as a coach, you had some so hard times raising companies and then you've learned a lot of lessons and now you're devoted uh, your career in helping other companies not to make the mistakes that you already did. So you see, there is even a storytelling a bit in the background. But the whole goal is that with the copywriter, uh, we create your profile, but we also structure the conversation starters and we are presenting it to you. So Harlan, it's your LinkedIn profile. So you have to be comfortable with what's going to be there. And you're also going to have to be comfortable with the messaging that we want to start sending. And if those messages are not like just copy paste and send it to everybody. It's more like structures. Well, the duality, we're going to do this and this in your particular case with empathy, we're going to do this. And then we just adjust those frameworks depending on the cases that we are. I mean, we're not, if it could be just copy paste, then a robot can do it, but we know the frameworks and then we are applying it depending on each condition that that we meet. And for example, if you're targeting C-level executives, uh, we know that they are a bit harder to get and they're a bit harder to to communicate, but we were surprised when, when we were working with fortune 500, they're still human. They still have pains. And if you know with, what kind of conversation starters to reach to them, we got a lot of engagement because really people are used. We, we have an inside joke here uh, at which stage someone will pitch us. So some are that does, don't wait even on the invitation. They're like, hi, my name is Dan. I sell X, Y, Z on the invitation. Like if you want, okay, if you don't, don't even bother accepting me as a friend. Right. Some are like disguised invitation. Hi, I saw your profile and I wanted to be part of your network. 
So you click accept and they're like, well, now that you accept me, let me tell you about my business <laughs> and if you need a web designer or something. Right. But that's really not the right way because we are really trying to connect with people and get them talking because the more they talk, the better we can qualify them. Not just qualify them, but at the end of the day, I don't see this as a sales. I see this as we're reaching out to people on your behalf and we just try to understand if they have the problem that you can solve. That's it. Nice. So if you're selling website and they said, we're very happy with our website, it's silly to tell them, well, come on a call. I'm going to give you what they already solved that problem. Yeah. Or they actually are having an external company that they've outsourced the development. And we're saying, yeah, I can follow up on that. Well, are you happy with your current supplier? And if they're happy, there is no point in reaching. We're like, well, nice meeting you. I just wanted to let you know we are here if you need anything in future. Because guess what? After three months, things change. Mm -hmm. They may lose that supplier and they, they're going to know that you're here for, for them. Or with you, with the, with the business coaching, yeah, you solve different kinds of problems. But at some point, they're like, you know what? At this point, I'm really busy with something else. It's not like CEOs don't have problems. It's like a constant struggle. You're also in a nice industry, Harlan, because there is always problems with CEOs and, and companies. So there is always something that can be improved. Sure. But sometimes it's just not the right time. Maybe they have a fire that they need to put out. And they're not ready. And then it's really good to just live an open communication because after a month or two, once things are sorted, they could just say, well, there was this Harlan guy. I think he can help me. Let me just reach back again. Nice. And so then how, how do you find those connections? Do I give you a list and say, here are the people that I want to connect with, or I give you a profile, an avatar saying, this is the type of person I'm looking for. And then how do you find them on, on LinkedIn? Well, we actually just try to talk with you and from there we take over. I mean, this is really done for your service. So we try to do everything. You just give us guidance. So yeah, we try to ask you what makes a good qualified lead for you. And you're going to say, well, US 500 to 2000 employees in this particular industries. So I've done business before. So I'm confident that I can show some case studies or social proof. And we actually go on LinkedIn. We try to use Sales Navigator, which has some really advanced filters like i can target in geography wise i can target in specific industries i can target in company size and within those companies i can target seniority functions and that specific positions nice. so i can narrow it down to, to specific 50 or 100 or 500 people that are really relevant for you or just fit the, the profile and then with those we still need to get to conversation and to qualify if they are problem aware, solution aware, or even they need help or, or not. Excellent. Very cool. No, that sounds, that sounds amazing. And how is it difficult uh, with the time change, everything like that for you guys to work with businesses in the U S well, um, no, I mean, it's, it's different if you're doing cold calling, which I'm really against it yes. because when it's a cold calling, I could be in a inappropriate time. But with the LinkedIn and the email, uh, it's really you can respond when it's more convenient for you. Okay. And that gives you the freedom. Like if I'm too busy now, I'm not going to answer it. I can check my email later or I can check my LinkedIn profile later. So at the end of the day, it's not something that you want to be pushy or intrusive because it's the type of uh, clients that we have. I mean, negotiation consultants, uh, we have mindset consultants, we have coaches, we have enterprise SaaS that we work with, and they also have a pride that they don't want to position themselves like begging someone to come on a call, like, please, my name is Harlan, please come on a call, I'll beg you. 
I mean, you've built yourself a credibility and we want to really preserve that credibility. So our reach is really as a peer-to-peer, like as a management consultant, I'm reaching to other management consultants and I'm like, hi, colleague, we're in the same field. In Macedonia, it's hard because of the corona. How is it in the US? Or I've talked with several fellow consultants and things were a bit divided. What are your thoughts on it? So I'm really trying to genuinely get into conversation with them without hidden agenda. Because it's not like I'm asking you, but I have a hidden agenda because we are not trying to sell. Harlan, I always say that LinkedIn is not a channel to sell. LinkedIn is to find call prospect, reach out to them, engage into conversation and understand if you're a good fit. If you are, you're actually inviting them on a call, but not if like if they're relevant, well, here are five PDFs and my prizes and everything, because especially maybe probably because we work with high ticket service providers, it's really you need to come on a call so they can diagnose you as a doctor. Well, breathe in, breathe out, blood pressure, all the things. And then uh-huh, I can help you do this, 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 or actually, sorry, I cannot help you go to a different doctor then. Very cool. So you started off with four interns. How many people do you have working for you now? I honestly don't know. <laughs> I think we should be 28 or 29. Okay. Very good. I mean, that is a bad thing that I don't know how many people are we exactly. But on the other hand, to be honest, uh, we really preach for the decentralized approach. So the project manager, if she doesn't like someone, she's free to fire whoever she wants. And if she sees that she needs more people, she puts the job at on her own. She got applicants, she does the interviews, she hires them. I, I don't even sign the, the contracts anymore because I just want results with her and actually try to help her to, to grow further. So at the end of the day, she needs to choose the team that she will work with. And it's the same with the sales team and it seems with the marketing team. So at some point I'm like, okay, there are some new guys out. There was a job <laughs> ad. We actually recruited two more people. And I'm like, hi, my name is Dancho. Actually, I'm, I'm the owner of the company. Nice to meet you. But when you asked me like how many people are we at the moment, I was like, oof, that's a tough question. But roughly I, I know how many we are. No, that's good. That is good. Because like I said, you set the business up to run without you having to be there, which is perfect. That it is, is kind of scary, honestly, Harlan, because yeah. you really delegate. And as an entrepreneur, we kind of like to stick everything in the same oh, bucket. Yeah. But I've realized that if we want to grow exponentially, I really have to delegate to the people, to the core team that, that sure. I have. And of course, sometimes I see, I see things that I know that I can do better. But what if I do it better next time, I'm going to do it and I'm going to stick with more activities rather than actually helping the managers to, to grow even more so they can do even a better job. Yeah. No, but you surrounded yourself with good people that you can trust and they're helping to run the business. That's, that's a perfect setup. Yeah. And Harlan, we don't have a manager here that hasn't been an intern, then became an employee in the execution Excellent. and then grow through the process. And then we saw some potential and we moved them either to marketing, to sales or to the execution. And in times they grow to, to, to now manage the, the departments. Excellent. That's a great model. That is a great model. It's the harder model, honestly, because you need time to, to grow. And there are so many people that they're just going to lo- lose the attention and they just find a different company. Or, I mean, others can just give them a bigger salary at the end of the day. Sure. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's it's harder to, to find the right people and position them as a manager. Some, once we even tried like poaching from a different company and just come here, but then they don't have the BSB culture. Right. Because here it's like, really 
not exciting to work, but it's non-formal. We don't have any dress codes here. I mean, we work online, so I don't really need people to dress properly. But it's more relaxed. Fridays we have, uh, it's how it's called, not the cocktail after 2 p.m., but they drink some different cocktails with vodka, gin, tonic party, usually at Friday at 2 or 3 p.m., so we try to, to, to connect and we have yeah. games and stuff that we do together. So it's really more like a small family, but again, decentralized because Excellent. marketing, there are like four or five people. They connect with the others, but they kind of stick together. Yeah. Very cool. That is, that is awesome. All right. So of these 28 or 29 people, depending on how many, if I happen to bump into any one of them and talk to them about you as the business owner, or as a leader, what do you think they'd say about your leadership style? What type of leader are you? Oof, I think that I'm the, you know, the, the one that said what needs to be said. I mean, I don't have uh, things to like, well, you know what, well, what if? I'm like, okay, let's talk. This is really good, very great. This is very bad. That's it. So people, they know that I'm just honest. I don't try to polish stuff on a nice way without the cursing, of course. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> and I never argue. I mean, I'm not like, wow, 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 wow. Never. I don't know. It's just not beneath me, but I don't see the reason. Right. I mean, if I see something is wrong, I'll just invite them here. Sit. Point one. I don't like this point. Two, I don't like this point. Three. I don't like this point. Four. I don't like this. But, but no point in like shouting or screaming or, or stuff. But on the other hand, um, we do a lot of jokes here. We do a lot of fun. We do a lot of off-work activities. So tomorrow I have with the male teams, we're going to do Counter-Strike game. Okay. And <laughs> I was needed to find where is it. I haven't played that thing in like 10 years, maybe. <laughs> so later tomorrow morning, I need to practice a bit. But we try to, to connect, not just on a business professional level, but Excellent. treat ourselves as friends at least. Excellent. That is good. Very good. Um, so you worked for different businesses and then you decided to go out on your own, right? Call, mm -hmm. Create yep. Bisbee. Where did you find that courage to go out on your own rather than staying in the nine to five comfort zone of working for somebody else? Where did you find the courage to go out on your own? Well, that was kind of tough call to, to make Harlan. I mean, I was working in a corporation, pretty nice salary. I mean, for Macedonia, it was really, really good. But at the end of the day, I was missing the passion because arguing with developers eight hours per day, it's not really exciting. <laughs> On the other hand, after work, you're actually having the, the sense of what could be full-time job exciting with entrepreneurs and everything. And I think that the hard part for me was that a simple calculation and it's uh, okay. Yeah, it is officially a courage, but for me, it's a calculated risk. I'm an economist. I do my numbers. So I just said, okay, what's the worst that it could happen? I mean, yeah, let's just do the worst case. The worst case is you're just going to pay for the rent. And here it was really less than $200 per month. So it was not really a big thing. I have four or five computers that I'm going to sell. And I have a second-hand furniture that I bought. It's very cheap. I think I'm just going to throw it or just going to resell it. But at the end of the day, in the worst case scenario, I will have four interns. They, we're going to work for three months. I'm going to at least try. And I know it didn't work. And then I'll just start looking myself a new job. And when you start looking at that, I was like, well, that's not really scary. And I was like, well, what is the alternative? 
not trying it and beating yourself your entire life. Ah, I had that idea 10 years. I should have done it. I didn't. Now I see right. another company doing exactly that. They're making millions. I mean, what if? And I don't really like that what if. Yeah. So I said, well, if that's the worst case scenario, I start looking at it and I'm like, well, it's not that bad. I mean, there are so many worse things that could happen in your life. And actually just getting minus $1,000 or $2,000 in total, I mean, you're going to find a job within a few months. You're just going to pay off the debt and, and that's about it. But on the other hand, what if it succeeds? So my courage was a calculated risk that in worst case scenario, there is very little bad thing that could happen. But in best case scenario, it could blow up quite good. Yeah. So it is a courage that, yeah, you can do analysis, paralysis. You can do research <laughs> and research and research. And But what about this? But what about that? But what about this? And this is how it actually helped me because I didn't even consider making five years plan. What about this? Because there are so many variables to consider. Mm -hmm. For me, it was three months. Even the interns that we hired were for three months because mm -hmm. I said, well, in three months, I can control the environment. Yeah. I know how much the rent will be. I know how much the interest is going to cost because it was not free interns. We were paying them at least something. I know exactly how much the cost will be. And at the end of the three months, how much debt I will have accumulated if things didn't go as, as planned. So instead of hitting my head on the wall, well, what if in year three, I need to create a brand and it doesn't succeed? Or what in year five, there is a competitors? That was really so far for me. So I was really like, let's focus on these three months. Worst case, doesn't work out, find a job. Best case, it's going to work. We're going to start growing. And that actually encouraged me because I saw sure. that, well, if the worst case scenario is not that scary, then everything else is better, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I had the same case six months afterwards. We were already six, seven people. And I got a project. No, I got an offer for a project. And it was like they needed 10 people to work on it for two months. And we were seven people in total. And we all had covered with work already. So I had to give a decision on the spot. And I had one week before we start. Wow. And I, I'm not on the spot. I had like a few hours to think about it. But for me, it was like, okay, back to risk, best, back to courage and back to worst case scenario. It's like, okay, 10 people. That should be like multiplied by salaries, that amount of money. Yeah, but I don't have offices. Well, if I call now, I'll probably find a free apartment in nearby. I'll just rent that as well. Furniture. Well, I know a guy that actually sells furniture. Within two days, I can have the chairs and the desks. The computers, I was already connected with the IT store. So actually, I could do all up in one week. And I can put a job at immediately so people will apply. So I can even do some interviews on the spot. Yes. And it was really concentrated two months work. And that was it. Excellent. And I did the worst case scenario. And I was like, okay, in worst case scenario, I'm going to get a lot of money because two months, 10 people. It was a big project for me at that time. And I was like, well, in worst case scenario, that's it. I bought the equipment. Within the first month, I'm making the return of investment on the break-even. And then on the second month, I'm in pure profit. And I said, yes. And I was happy. And I made it work. In one week, we found everything. And I even had time to train the people with one day. Like, well, it was a basic thing that they needed to do. But still, I figured it out. Yeah. And I, the moment I said, okay, now the worst case has probably passed because in worst case scenario, it's not that worse when you think about it. So it could be only a good one. But then the next day I realized, well, actually now don't you have two months to figure out what you're going to do with these 10 people? Because if I don't find other work, I will need to fire them. And back to encouragement. Well, what's the worst case that could happen? Well, I have to try in two months. If I don't figure out the way how to keep them, 
unfortunately I will have to fire them but that's not that worst case for me if you ask me so I was like okay well let's start looking job for them and in two months I was actually able to keep all of 10 of them and then another turnaround Harlan the last one I promise was that the other company said well you know what we actually need seven more for six months now Wow. And already everything had pre-sold. So I was like, man, now not again. Now I need to hire new six people in order to survive. And actually it pushed me to grow. But this was not really a healthy growth, Harlan. I mean, as a management consultant, now that I look back, it was really unhealthy. Taking 10 people, bam, in a new office, finding a project manager, let's do it. Then another six people. We grow to 20, 30 in the, in the first 12 months. Yeah. And I've realized that things started collapsing. I mean, we did a spreadsheet for project management. We didn't have a marketing team. We didn't have a sales team. I mean, I was background from freelancing. So for me, I was like, I go to the Upwork or, or Guru or whatever, mm -hmm. find some project gigs, bring them to the team. They start doing the execution. So I didn't have a need for marketing. I mean, who should I promote? I go on Upwork, I find work, I bring it. But when I reach to 20, 30 people, I've realized that it's not sustainable that you actually really need to start a company and yeah. put the hard work on, on networking, on marketing, to setting up proper sales processes. Because it's interesting on, Up on Upwork, when people say, I need a business plan, that means that they got an idea, they passed the awareness and they have the problem and now they're just looking for a supplier. Mm -hmm. While on the outside world, when you're reaching out to someone, you have no idea whether they have a problem, whether they're willing to solve it. But on the other hand, on the freelancing world, it was really competitive. I mean, there were on one job ad for a business plan, there were like 50 to 70 applicants that are applying for the same job. Wow. So that's really a bloodshed. And I realized that we have to get away from it in order to start building our brand and start making our name recognized out there. It, it's the only way how a company can grow. And actually, I spent the next year or two as a consultant in my company. So I started, let's set up the process, let's up the structure, let's create a BSB employee handbook, let's uh, do Trello, let's find a project manager, let's find a calendar, let's, I mean, really capacity strengthening on the company. Excellent. Very good. Love that story. So when you're looking for uh, the managers in your business, what do you look for in that, that leadership? There's got to be a spark of leadership. They can't just be good technically what they do. What else do you look for? Well... I don't know how to say it in English and Macedonia is whether you're a good um, housekeeper or not. And maybe it, it loses the contents on English, but you know, when people are really humble and open to learn new stuff and accept feedback and they genuinely care, they're not like I'm eight to five and that's it, nine to five and I'm leaving. But you see when they get up, they collect their stuff and they just go watch the, the small things. It's not like, yeah, I have a list of things that I want you to fulfill, but you see that they genuinely are nice people. Okay. And that was our key for interviews and for everything. Whether you're a nice person or not, we can teach you everything. Mm -hmm. But if you're not a nice person, I cannot help anything with that. Yeah. And unfortunately, we had even some bad cases and bad examples, of course. But my, my whole point is maybe it's called the sixth sense, whether they mm -hmm. have that sixth sense when you don't need to tell them something, but they can feel that they need to act or they feel that they need to do something. And that's whether they're good housewives. Okay, that's still a bad expression. <laughs> whether they're good people, let me yeah. put it. That's no, and I, I think that's good. You know, and I try to talk to my clients the same way. You can't always find somebody with the exact skill set you want, but if they have the right attitude, right? They they're caring. They uh, care about people. They think independently. I, you can teach them. 
the skills that they need, right? Yeah, but I've noticed Holland, it's really how they are raised from home. And that's maybe the, the honesty, the integrity, the anything else can be learned. But yeah. if you have been grown not to have those uh, benefits or advantages, right, right. Um, I cannot teach someone to do that. Right. that. That's really a headache. I mean, it, I don't think if it's possible even. No, it's probably possible, but yeah, it's it really be. hard. Right. So our goal was to try to, during these three months to see whether they can think, whether they can do stuff from themselves, whether they're eager to try think, even if they ha- are not completely sure what they're doing. And of course, make mistakes, learn on the fly, be more entrepreneurial oriented because, man, I mean, there are going to be obstacles. I kind of get so comfortable now with obstacles when everything is peaceful and saying something is wrong. <laughs> so let's roll our sleeve. Let's make a bit mess because yep. something is wrong where everything is peaceful. It means that something is happening that I'm not aware of. Well, having a three-year-old, you know, when they get too quiet, something, something is, is wrong. happening. Exactly, yes. <laughs> exactly. But then, on the other hand, I've realized that you grow through obstacles. And maybe that's why when I was working with entrepreneurs, I was checking their passion first. Because if you're inspired and passionate about the business idea, man, as many obstacles you have, you find a way around them. Like I was, I started the business. So website, I don't know what to do on the one screen. You have YouTube, how to do something on the other screen. You're actually following the the guidelines. (laughs) But if you're not passionate on the first obstacle, like, I tried, you see, everybody, I tried this show up. I don't know what to do. I give up. That's it. And that's the difference between passionate people and non-passionate. And, you know, another secret, actually, honestly, Harlan, I've realized that you cannot really identify on the interview whether people are honest, have the integrity and these traits in them. So I stopped looking. For me, it's like, take a few people, bring them here, leave them in in our environment for three months. And see their true face. Perfect. I mean, you cannot fake it for three months. No, I can write sure. fantastic CV with everything to the T, to the letter perfect. I can dress up for the interview and I can pretend that, yeah, you know, people on their CV, I'm a team building, I'm honest, right. I'm something. I mean, yeah, it's a paper. You can put whatever you want. And on the interview, they can pretend or fake it even. But at the end of the day, you bring them, you put them in a working environment for three months and you see there are people that are lazy and they just go to work because from home, someone pushed them like, go find yourself a job. Right, right. There are people that are just losing time. They're like bored at work and they just wait for the time to pass. So they can go home. But there are people that are so excited that actually they stay not mm-hmm. after work in the office to learn, but they saw a webinar on lead generation that it's at 8 p.m. and they're going to just watch it from home because they're genuinely interested in the topic. Nice. And you cannot fake it three months. At some point, you have to show your true face and then you can really see if they're they are good or bad. That's really a bad uh, interpretation, but you can see if you can work with them long-term and whether it's worth investing now in growing them in showing them in teaching them for everything. Exactly. No, 100%. So if you were to sum up your company culture in one word, what would that be? Agile. Agile to, to the core. I mean, we, these six months strategies that I was telling you, we're like, okay, now we have LinkedIn. What kind of service improvement we want to introduce in these six months? Well, we need to do this, 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 this. Okay, how about if we launch a BSB laboratory where we're going to, in controlled environment, take two profiles, one female, one male with same description, and we start doing outreach in order to measure A, B, what will give better acceptance rate and have that knowledge for us. 
okay, what if we take Eastern name with uh, US name and on two males and try to do the same on two different things and measure. So that's really mm-hmm. agile because from what we're going to learn from that, it's going to help deliver better results. Absolutely. And as we serve clients, we really see, well, LinkedIn was not going to be invented if we were not agile from the email and listening to clients' feedback in order to, to invent new services, to add new stuff and, and, and new offerings, actually. So we're really market-driven, but that's me with one ear on the market and seeing what's happening. But collectively, on a, on a company level, agile would be the right approach, right description. And yeah, some people are a bit stressed when it comes to agile because, you know, there are people that are in their comfort zone and they mm-hmm. kind of, I've learned this and I want to work this for the rest of my life and I don't want to change. But yeah, that they, they would be really stressed in this environment. But on the other hand, it's not like we change stuff every day. So when you come in the office, you have no idea whether you still have the same seat. That's really stress-oriented. That's not agile. That's pure stress. Pure but stress. this is more seeing what improvements we can do on an ongoing basis. So some employee can say, what if we actually try this instead of that? Let's try. Well, someone else will come in. Well, you know what? Actually, when I was working on this client, I've noticed something. Let's try. And that's actually how we collectively grow. Nice. Very cool. That's awesome. So what's next for you? I mean, you've built this great company. Where do you go from here? Oof, you don't want to know. That requires a lot of beer. (laughs) I mean, Harlan, um, to give you very high level overview we are planning in the next few years even hopefully that we're going to take over the whole b2b segment nice. i mean now with the uh, agency we are really good as a done for you agency i mean it is a bit higher priced as a premium service but we take care of everything from copywriting from from handling from execution from from absolutely everything and not every company can afford it as an agency so now we're trying to spin out from the from the done for you to go with the done with you where well if you have your team or your virtual assistant as a coaching as a consulting we can train your team so you can actually continue doing it on your own so that's like done for you done with you and i'm also trying to access the do-it-yourself market now and by do-it-yourself market i mean in august i'm launching a book which is uh, actually published by a uk publishing house Uh, let me promote it at least yes absolutely it's called sweet leads Okay. Because we call them sweet leads because they're sweet leads that not just are cold and came on your calendar, but leads that we've introduced you, nurtured them, they consumed your content and they're interested in hearing more. Nice. And it's going to be out in, in August. I have one month to figure out how to promote it, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. So at the end of the day, with the do-it-yourself, we wanted to, to actually target not just uh, experienced consultants, but also more junior people that want to learn the SDR, the BDR role, where with the book, we're also going to launch an eight-week online academy. So it's going to be like two offers for do-it-yourself. Here is the book if you want to read it. It's going to be a Kindle version, of course, an audio book, of course, and then going to be an eight-week academy where you're going to learn and then going to be weekly Q&A on the spot. So with that, I'm actually covering the done for you, done with you and do it yourself. And then we can move one level above where I want to to do exactly the same thing, but on closing deals. Like we're going to add, do you want us to close your clients? Then I need to do a book and then I need to do the coaching and then I need to do everything. We've just launched also content creation agency because I've realized many times when I work with high ticket service providers, we're doing the outreach. 
And we're saying, well, you know what, if you had some case studies, some white papers, some social proof, some social content, at least as a total authority, it would help. But with the type of people we work, they're really busy. And they don't, there's no way someone will sit on LinkedIn and just trying to figure out some posts. We figured that out. So we actually interview our clients and based on the interview, we're collecting the insight and creating content. So it's not like I just Google it on three spots, how to be a coach and just combine it into easy read. But it's like based on your decades of experience, let's find the golden nuggets and create some content around it. So actually this happened two weeks ago. We hired four or five copywriters and we had the project manager from within. So now we're expanding to that area as well. So yeah, things are really bright this end. So many things happening in, in parallel. And I think that at some point we will be able to cover the whole B2B ecosystem. And by the ecosystem, I mean, not just do it yourself, done with you and uh, done for you, but we want to be able to find cold prospect, reach out to them, do complementary content creation and do the closing. So then when we work with clients, we can really do the, the entire thing. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. It's going to take a few years. I mean, it's not it, something that is just going to be done overnight. Yeah. But it, it all makes sense and it all ties together and you're in your, you're in your sweet spot and that's good. Yeah. When we're going to introduce the software as a service, like since it's done for you, well, now since you've learned how to do it, here is the software to do the, the execution. Excellent. Then I think we're going to start thinking about selling the company for a few millions, hopefully. Perfect. But we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but that's why I was telling you that we're really excited because everything we do, we do new, new stuff. So we, we have two or three podcasts that are our own, that we're launching in the next two or three weeks Great. and video interviews. So I can actually invite you because we do yeah. video interviews, Harlan, where we invite experts that can share one lesson to our high ticket service providers community. Excellent. And it is a video interview and a podcast that we create. And it's really interesting because I know you have the, the credibility and the expertise. So perhaps I've been to your show, so maybe you can come to, to us love to, to. to share your story. Absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah, just let me know. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll, I'll follow up on you with that. Excellent. Perfect. Well, Dasha, this has been great. Thank you so much for uh, sharing everything with us. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? What's your website? Well, it's it's right behind me, bsbsolutions.com. Okay. Is the website. I mean, we do a lot of content. I mean, genuine content, not curated from different stuff. Every two weeks, we create a new blog. Every two weeks, we have a newsletter that we share with our audience, if you subscribe, of course. Uh, and interesting, we give all the knowledge for free. Harlan, if you go to our website, uh, we have a BSB Academy where we currently have six or seven different eBooks where they're for free. I mean, by free, you need to leave your email right, address. Right. That's ethical marketing. Sure. We have to do it. Yes. But at the end of the day, we have an eBook on how to create a B2B database or how to create B2B messages or how to nurture the responses that you're going to get. So seven different eBooks are out there. Excellent. And if people want to try outreach, feel free to download the content. We give it for free. We have some blogs where we even compare tools, what to use, what not to use. Because at the end of the day, our goal is that as an agency, we have a particular type of companies we work with. And the ones that we cannot work with, take the knowledge, start using it. If you figure out some new tricks and hacks, feel free to share it with us. We really want to, to be on top of our game. So every new advice is really welcomed. Excellent. Very cool. All right. So bizbeesolutions.com and look for that uh, free information out there. Definitely sign up. This has been great. And when your book is out, We'll have you back to talk about your book and promote it. 
Okay. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, Harlan, I also wanted to thank you for, for giving me the, the opportunity because I truly hope, I mean, with a single goal here is to, to share the story. Hopefully we will inspire some, some of the listeners to say, okay, let me think for a second. If I start a business, what's the worst thing that could happen right. and do the math. I mean, yes. maybe it would be a really scary math. I mean, one month ago I was buying an apartment and take out the spreadsheet. What's the worst that could happen? A lot of money, but this is it. These are the numbers. This is the variables. And you know, when you're going to ask yourself that question, what's the worst thing that could happen? And when you start looking at that scenario, you kind of get comfortable with that. Well, you're like, well, it's not that really scary. And from there, miracle happens because then it's not really, actually it's a courage, but then you're just mm-hmm. having an informed decision, knowing that I hope that the worst things it could happen is go to jail because <laughs> if it's illegal business, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do drugs, but what's the worst it could happen? Well, well yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. do that. But my point is that if you start looking at things like that as a decision-making, you've realized that the worst case scenario is not that hard. And I truly hope that at least through this, we've inspired some of the entrepreneurs to say, to take a bold move, whether to start a business or if they have a business and they're considering some bold move in order to either grow or take additional services, just think about it. What's, what's exactly. the worst that could happen? Absolutely. No, that's a perfect. I love that. Very good. Dr. Thank you again for being on here. I really appreciate it. Love the, uh, the stories and everything you've shared with us. And listeners, I hope you guys were taking notes. There's a lot of good takeaways from here. Definitely check out the website, bizbsolutions.com. And uh, if you like this episode, make sure you share it with your family, friends, and colleagues. And that's it. There's always more to come, so stick around. This is Coach Harlan saying so long for now. Bye-bye.